Episode 4, Worms in His Earth, Part 1. Hi, this is Dragnacarta, DM for Curse of Strahd, Twice Bitten. You're listening to the Twice Bitten Podcast, a campaign where five Curse of Strahd DMs head back into the mists for a hauntingly familiar adventure. Starring Jack as Vetrion, Kaya as Lilison, Linus as Amity, Serena as Kiva, and Twy as Deer. You can catch the horror live every Saturday at 1 p.m. Eastern, 10 a.m. Pacific on Twitch at twitch.tv slash rcurseofstrahd, or watch new episodes every Monday on YouTube at youtube.com slash c slash rcurseofstrahd. You can also listen to new episodes of this podcast weekly at anchor.fm slash twice-bitten, or wherever you like to syndicate your podcasts. Now, let's get right to Ravenloft. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Curse of Strahd, Twice Bitten, the show where a team of DMs teams up to tackle a 100% rules-as-written exploration of the spookiest 5e D&D campaign. I am Dragonacarta, your host and DM, and thank you for continuing to tune in. We appreciate you guys all so much, and we're really excited to have you all back here for our fourth episode. Woo! One more left until we hit the month mark, so that'll be fun. Woo! <laughs> all right. If we all survive. Oh, assuming you all survive, which, you know, is not, it's, it's negotiable. I think there's been some discussion of TPKs, so, you know, I hope you guys have a backlog of PCs is what I'm saying. So you're saying if we pay you like 10 bucks, we can make sure we skate through this bit, all right? I'll consider it. Throw in a lollipop or, uh, you know, a cookie or something, and I'll think about it seriously. 11 and a homemade chocolate chip. It's my final offer. Accepted. Aerithrin Deer is safe, but all the rest of you are up for grabs, I'm afraid. Anyways, on that note, I think we are ready to get started with Curse of Strahd, Twice Bitten. A striking elven female with an almost ritualized poise, Kiva Cyrilai always endeavors to be a level-headed mediator and a soothing presence in the lives of all she meets. Determined to look ever forward, she relies on controlling day-to-day chaos. Anyone who watches her for long enough, however, can clearly see there's something undeniably feral and unpredictable bubbling under the surface. In the company of these fine strangers, he is just Metreon. But across the Sword Coast, he's known as Metreon the Magnificent. He is a tiefling whose body and dress carry the signatures of a nomadic performer as evidenced by the rougher edges of his costume and his sinewy frame covered in faded tattoos. Though he may not look like a typical magician, rest assured, he cleans up quite handsomely. The well-dressed, well-spoken half-elf who introduced herself as Lilisen has stayed away from the rest of the traveling group during the journey so far. Oh, she's friendly enough if someone strikes up a conversation with her. Charming, even. But left to her own devices, she invariably keeps to herself, and even looks nervous when anyone comes within ten feet of her. Amity, a terrifying deviloid with a tail that will knock your drink over if she gets too excited. 
Even worse, some pig follows her around and eats almost as much as she does. Yet, she's generous and easy to befriend, especially if you get her talking about her book of fables. Just, if she compares you to a fox, it's hard to tell if that's a compliment. Erythrindir is a high elf man who looks perpetually like he's never quite gotten enough sleep. After his departure from elven society, he found himself out in the wilderness, working as a ranger in the deep, deep woods. However, this did little to quell his passion for history, and he's found himself on the road to Neverwinter, hoping to track down a book that might hold the answer to a question he's held for a long, long time. As we dive back into Curse of Strahd, Twice Bitten, delving deeper into the mysteries of the Durst Manor, our group of unlikely travelers came together to fight back against the house's hostility and hauntings. After recovering from an altercation with a terrifying specter, sleeping in the house's isolated den and surviving an exceptionally paranormal experience, the group set out together to find a path to the basement. There, they believed, they would find the monster that Rose and Thorn had spoken of, the true root of the house's hauntings, and so win their escape. And so, under Lilisen's cautious guidance and with Kiva leading the way, the group carefully ventured through the house to search for clues. It was in the library, perusing the shelves of books upon its walls, where they located a secret door that in turn revealed a terrible secret, that the house had once housed an evil group, a cult, perhaps, that had sacrificed innocent victims on a secret altar far below. The party resolved to uncover the secrets of where the monster and these hidden mysteries lay, and making their way further up as they explored for an entrance and a way down. The party found their way to the attic. There, Kiva and Metreon awoke two young spirits, the true ghosts of Rosenthorn themselves. Seemingly unaware of their conversations with the party on the street below, the spirits of the two children showed the characters the location of a secret door access to a staircase that led down to the basement. However, upon the slightest indication that they would not be able to accompany the characters as they departed, Rose burst into a rage as Thorn flew into despair, flying into Metreon's chest and seemingly possessing him as Rose's spirit took residence in Lillison's body. With that, as tensions boiled and the group did their best to resolve the tensions and soothe some private fears and public disputes, the party came together once more, now bearing two invisible, quiet passengers in the forms of Rosenthorn, and entered the hidden staircase, descending now to the dark basement below. And so, as you proceed forward, Kiva leading the way downstairs, the broken cobwebs around you sway like a gossamer wedding veil with each step you take. The group of you now in a single file line, the staircase far too narrow to allow comfortable travel on either side. You feel almost beckoned forward by the swaying cobwebs, and so you descend the spiral staircase into darkness, the ancient stairs creaking and groaning as you push past endless rows of cobwebs. The gaping maw of the stairwell itself seems to draw you deeper, swallowing you up as you descend further down its gullet. You descend one floor, two floors, a third, the darkness around you 
still covering you like a cloak as your own eyes pierce through the gray, shifting shadows as it continues to plunge below the house. The walls of the stone shaft narrow around you, forcing you to hunch your shoulders and pull in your elbows to continue downward. In the darkness, you can only hear the shuffle of your feet, the choking groan of the stairs, and the pounding of your blood in your ears. Finally, after what feels like hours, or perhaps only minutes, the descent levels out, and the spiral staircase ends at a darkened landing of packed earth. A narrow tunnel supported by aged timber braces stretches out ahead of you, its stone walls seeming to bleed with deposits of streaked red clay. Eight feet ahead, the tunnel splits, branching to the left and right. As your eyes and ears adjust to the cold subterranean corridor, you notice that the tunnel isn't as silent as the staircase above. An eerie, low-pitched sound echoes through the space, and you soon recognize it as a deep, incessant chanting. Kiva, Kiva. What? K what? Kiva, you hear that? Yes, I do. I do. Look, I can continue what we were doing and go a step ahead. If that's all right with everyone, just check it out. And I promise I won't go anywhere without the rest of you, okay? I think that's for the best. Although, I think we should keep doing what we did upstairs. Uh, Lillison, that was a very good tactic you employed. I think we should keep doing that if we run across any doors down here. But, yeah. Be careful, you. Kiva? Uh, sorry. Go on ahead. We'll be right behind you. Also, did we bring down the light? That's exactly what I was gonna ask. <laughs> Amity has a lamp, and speaking of which, she will jab a finger at Metreon and say, uh, you, just asking, you threw something at me, um, a few nights ago, when we were around a fire. Mind reminding me what that was? When you poked him, he shuddered and skittered away from you just slightly, but he'll turn back to you. Oh, it, was, it, was just a, it was just a pelt, just a hair pelt, that's all. Uh, all right, so you're still, you're still Metreon? What? Well, I, I was worried that it's best not you were just that ghost now. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm me. Like, well, I don't, I don't. And it's uh, all right. Just let's continue. All right. So, listen. If I find a door, I'll call it out for you. Yes, we'll be just a few steps behind you. All right. So Kiva is going to take just a few steps forward. It looks like there's pathways to the left and to the right. So, which way do we want to go first? When in doubt, go left. It'll always get you out of a maze. Well, not really, but sometimes, if the maze designers were really bad. DM, the walls of the tunnels, what are they made of? The walls of the tunnels themselves are largely made out of a combination. The foundations are largely hard stone, and in the upper portions around the halfway mark, it changes into a kind of dark, earthy brown packed soil that in turn is kind of streaked with these large deposits of red clay. But they're cut in a way such that they're not round deposits, but more like long slashes that almost kind of ooze down the walls in places, intermingling with the soil. So Kiva's just going to, like, poke the tip of her thumb with her scimitar and just mark on 
the stone in a visible area, a big X, so that she knows which ways they've been, if that makes sense. All right. You kind of smear a recognizable X of blood across the middle portion of the stone. All right. And then Kiva's going to go down the left point of the tunnel and call back to the others and say, again, they branch off. It goes a little bit ahead of me and then towards the right. So do we want to keep going left? Uh, I say straight, personally. Or, yeah, take the left. So she's coming around this corner. It looks like there's a landing or uh, some steps to another room. Well, that's a promising. Can we get that mage hand? DM, is there a door there, or is it just the steps as I'm there seeing is on not. the map? There is just the corridor descends as the ceiling kind of stays at the same level. Overall, the space descending into what appears to be a small room, and you can see the table and chairs, but you can't make out too much detail without getting much closer. With your dark vision, you can only see it in kind of like shaded grays and fainted off tint black and white colors. It's difficult to make out any fine observations without a light source. Okay, so Kiva's going to cautiously take a step down and just sort of peer into the room, seeing what she can see. Obviously, it's going to be sort of hard. And then once she feels that she's safe, she's going to take a step down into the room and maybe just look and see if there's anyone there or if there's recent signs of life, stuff like that. Sure, make a perception check for me. First roll, let's see here. That is a natural 20. Woo! All right, and what's the total? Nice. Good first roll. 21. 21. Looking around, you can see that the room appears to be filled on this end by a wooden table and four chairs that stand just before you. To the west, you can see lying four shadowed alcoves that are chiseled from the stone into the packed clay of the walls. You can also see what appears to be another corridor that leads off from the side of this chamber, perhaps to an adjoining room. The room itself is quiet and empty. There's no sign of life. All right, it's uh, it's safe to come in here. There's no one else. Metreon's gonna rush up. Aetherndir will follow at a distance. Amity will follow at Aetherndir's side. Well, uh, good to know that he's still him. Well, I mean, either that or the ghost's a really good actor, but, you know, it seems like him. Right, so at least he's not going to, like, try and betray us. Probably. Uh, that, yeah, still, stick together. And he gives her a meaningful look and presses forward. Oh, this is a kind of a dump. I mean, not to be rude about their underground cult space, but ugh. Can you imagine spending any amount of time here? Because I don't want to. TM, is there anything on the table that we can see? The table is bare, save for just a okay. thick layer of dust. Four chairs. That and the kids had never been down here, right, Kiva? Uh, as far as I know, they were kept in their room. So that implies more than just mom and dad. Well, it makes sense if there's a cult to be followers. I was kind of hoping it was a cult of two, but I suppose we wouldn't be that lucky. Your optimism is infectious, my friend. Kiva is going to take a few steps down and just continue poking around the room to see if there's anything else of interest or of note. Uh, are you taking a look inside the alcoves? Yes, that's what she's going to be doing. Gotcha. Uh, looking inside, you can see inside the first one that it just appears to contain a moldy straw pallet 
presumably for sleeping purposes, and kind of glancing inside the others, they seem to have similar contents. Well, this is definitely some sort of uh, disgusting living quarters, but um, it doesn't look like anyone's been here in quite some time. All right. Guess there's not going to be much for us here then, unless any of us really want rotten straw. How many sleeping spaces are there? It looks like there, there appear are... to be four in total. There seems to be a small hallway over here. Maybe I can go down there, or do we want to go back to the rest of the tunnel? Nah, I say we play out any branch before we go back. Less confusing that way. The chanting is driving me insane. Can I make out where it's coming from or what they're saying? Make a perception check. All right, that is going to be a four. Looking around, there's no indication of where it's coming from. You're unsure. And uh, I make a perception check in that way. Because I'm obviously freaking out and don't want to head towards that chanting, so can I check to see if I know what direction it's coming from? Glancing around, there's no indication of the source or the direction of it, I'm afraid. Is it just kind of like echoing everywhere, or is it's like everywhere? It doesn't feel like it's coming from somewhere. It feels almost omnipresent. Like every direction you turn, it seems to echo off of the walls, and... You're unsure of whether it seems to be emanating from a specific place or whether it's just being distorted by the several different curves and turns of the dark enclosed corridors. Oh, uh, Emily, just don't go too far with the light, all right? Yeah, I'll, I'll second that. I, I wasn't planning to. All right, Earthrender is going to step forward and join Kiva on the next curve. All right, what's next? Kiva is going to go down the steps, again, sort of very cautiously, keeping an eye on everything. All right, as you descend the stairs, you hear around the right-hand corner, before you can pierce past that darkness ahead, you hear a sudden splash, as if something suddenly disturbed a pool of water, and then it quickly subsides as you step down into the room. I don't think we're alone here. I... can you see it? Whatever it is, sir? Kiva's going to draw her scimitar and her shield and take a step into the room. You step into a dark earthen chamber, the ceiling rising a foot higher than the cramped tunnel you just came from. The ceiling is supported by thick wooden posts and crossbeams that have rotted with age and bear deep holes indicative of hungry insects. In this room, you can see a lonely well standing at the center of the chamber surrounded on three sides by several smaller, alcove-like chambers that have been carved into the walls. You can see old footprints crisscrossing the floor, leading into the alcoves around the well and up a staircase on the other side of the room, as well as back upstairs the way you came. Within the well itself, an old hempen rope attached to a rusted pulley descends past the mouth of the well itself, swaying gently in the stagnant air as if just recently abandoned. Kiva's going to walk into the room and shout, Hello? I don't get their attention! Just trust me. Look, I, I know the ghosts were uh, friendly enough, but I don't think anything we meet down here is going to be nice. Erthrandir, are you speaking from around the bend, or are you kind of talking down to her from atop the staircase? I think he's come up to the top of the stairs at this point. Gotcha. You know you're being well, just as loud as me, right? 
All right, a quick note. While this is happening, what are Lillison, Metreon, and Amity doing? Lillison is uh, waiting for everybody else to move enough so that she feels comfortable coming out of the mouth of this corridor. Every so often, she is darting glances behind her shoulder. Amity sort of backed up into the corner when Ethan Beer and Kiva started spatting. She's just uh, kind of huddling there, covering Trouble's ears. Metreon at this point has pulled out one of the chairs and is like keeping it in front of him, but he's also making sure to stay within the boundaries of lamplight. He is kind of conflicted with staying there, but also is like almost inching towards the corridor that Kiva and Erythrindir went down because he knows that Kiva is the beefiest out of all of us, and therefore probably the one who's going to protect him the most. All right. As that occurs, as Erythrindir and Kiva venture forward toward the other room, uh, what is Kiva doing? Kiva is examining the well, and then she's going to be looking, listening very carefully to see if she can hear anyone else moving besides her and Erythrindir. All right. Make a perception check for me. <laughs> that is a five, so not a natural 20. All right. As you peer down into the depths of the well, Lillison. Behind you is darkness, a shroud of shadows that fills the corridor, almost darker than your own night-adapted vision would enable you. You feel almost an oppressive gloom settling in around you as though you're being watched by many eyes at once. And as you glance over your shoulder, you hear the sound of grinding stone followed by a slam, and then quickly retreating footsteps in the opposite direction. Um, Lillison is going to swiftly and quietly go back towards the staircase that they took down here and take a look. All right. Where was she going? Lillison? Where? What? I... Oh, my... Erythrindir just sighs and then, looking around, kind of jerks his head to Amity. Make sure she's not going to get herself killed, will you? I need to do the same for this one. And with that, he's going to go into the room with Kiva. Amity steps up and sort of says down the corridor, uh, don't go wandering off alone and getting yourself killed. Um, <laughs> maybe not even loud enough for Lillison to hear her. I'll be right back. DM, has anything visibly changed around the base of the staircase? Make a perception check for me. That would be a 22. A 22, looking around, the staircase itself does not appear to have changed, the dust itself not looking disturbed, but actually you have disadvantage because this is dim light, so roll again and take the lower. Okay, well that would be a 19. All right. Glancing down the hall, you do notice that from the branching corridor forward in the opposite direction as the other corridor that you've just been down, and to the left, there appears to be a set of footprints that emerge and then veer to the left, vanishing into a room where you can just faintly make out what appears to be a large wooden bench. Okay, Lillison is going to silently note this and then go to rejoin the others. All right, Kiva, as you look down into the well, peering at its contents and expecting what lies below, you can see that it appears to be a simple well shaft with a three foot high stone lip that plunges down below the floor of this cellar level. You can see all the way at the bottom, you can just faintly see the outline of what appears to be a wooden bucket hanging from the rope and pulley that has been in turn bolted to the crossbeams above the well. 
and as you glance downward, you can just faintly see that the interior of the shaft seems covered with an ash-black species of fungi that clings to the walls of the stone. Well, there's nothing of note down the well. Is there water? Uh, there does appear to be a bit of uh, dark, clouded water at the bottom. A cistern of sorts, perhaps. If you're interested in drinking mold, yeah, there's lots of water. I'm more interested in drinking mold than dying, but let's leave that for slightly more desperate measures, why don't we? Kiva's going to take a poke around at some... the alcove that's, like, directly in front of her, if that's okay. Checking your way inside, you can see that there appears to be a, a small side room, slightly larger than the alcoves of the previous chamber. Within here, you can see what seems to be a wood-framed bed, upon which lies a moldy straw mattress. Just to the right of it, you can see what seems to be a closed wooden chest. Is it locked? You kind of bend down to inspect it, and it does appear to be secured with a uh, rusty iron padlock that closes the top half to the bottom. And as you look over it, you can see that the surface actually appears to be carved with intricate depictions of demonic faces and sigils that send a shiver down your spine. Maybe it's just the superstitious person in me, but um, I don't really feel like opening these horrifying-looking chests. Well, the last chest we opened turned out to have a dead body in it, so I think your superstitions are well goddamn founded. Leave it be. It looks like there's a couple other pathways here. Um, Alright, I, I don't think we're gonna get anywhere if we keep going this bit by bit. I think if we're gonna go down anything, you go through first, but if we're gonna look at stuff, I think we all need to do it together. Just kinda, you know, minimize our time. Absolutely. So I'm going to go... I guess up this pathway over here, and maybe you can call for the others to join us in this room and follow me? Gotcha. Hey, we're, uh, moving on. This room's clear. Can y'all get in here and help me, uh, search, see what else is happening? Also, there's water, if anyone's really desperately thirsty, and also doesn't mind fungi. Metreon seeing Amity already going into the room scurries right behind her and make sure to keep to her like he's a shadow. All right, glad you... All right. I'm going to take a look at these doors. Can y'all take the ones up north? And Erethendir is going to peek inside this alcove at the corner. Peering into this alcove, you find a similar sight as to what Kiva found, the old wooden bed and the moldy straw mattress atop it and a small wooden chest. It appears to just be a plain wooden chest, unmarked and unadorned, held tight by a, a rusted iron padlock. Okay, this one doesn't have the screaming demon faces. That's a bit more cheering. Uh, I don't suppose either of y'all can pick locks, can ya? Cause like, I really cannot. I can. I- oh, splendid. Alright, if you, if you wouldn't mind, I'm, you know, a bit curious what they're keeping in here. Although if it does look like another body, probably shut that again. Yes, that does sound prudent. Deer takes a long step back as she approaches. DM, which of these alcoves was the one with the not-screaming faces in it? It's the lower left one. This one? That worked. Okay. Um, I am going to summon my arcane mage hand and attempt to pick the lock with it. Okay, do you own Thieves' Tools? I do not. Okay. You will need Thieves' Tools to attempt to do so. Okay. Uh, Lilithan is going to stick her head back out and say, uh, Matreon, do you still have those, uh, little, 
little picks you were using earlier? Y yeah. May I borrow them for a moment? Um, uh, you promise you won't break them, yeah? I will promise that I will treat them as if they were my own. She'll uh, be careful. Metron starts to rifle through his, not his bag, but he has pockets underneath his jacket, and he'll take out a little leather pouch filled with different lock picks, and he'll very sheepishly extend it towards Lillison without actually going towards her. Okay. Uh, the Metron will float forward and very gently lift them and bring them back to her. He'll give it to the mage hand, but seeing... I assume it's still in its kind of like skeletal spectral form, right? Yeah, probably. Yeah, no, he, he's not into that. So he'll like very quickly almost like toss it into its hand and then like back away. Okay. Lillison will watch this with a bit of amusement and then retreat back into the little space, still not touching the tools herself and sort of awkwardly from a distance directing her mage hand attempt to pick the lock. Alright, are you proficient with these tools? I am. Alright, then you may make an attempt. Uh, this is a uh, dexterity check plus your proficiency modifier. Uh, while she does that, Kiva, what are you doing? Kiva is going up this lovely little staircase over here to see what is in the room beyond. The staircase that you climb leads to a quiet landing. And to the front, you can see the stairs continuing upward and vanishing around a bend. To your right, the landing continues straight into a lonely corridor. A tunnel hallway that seems relatively clean and bereft of debris, especially compared to the rest of the complex that you've explored thus far. At the far end, you can just faintly see another earthen staircase descending into the darkness. As you kind of poke your head into it, you can hear that the incessant chanting that has filled the air of this underground complex grows stronger toward the far end of this corridor. Well, okay, so knowing that, she's probably... <laughs> she's gonna go look for the source of the chanting. So she's going to very cautiously and quietly try to make her way down the south hallway. Alright, while this is happening, uh, Lillison, what was your result? That would technically be a 14. 14. Alright, you kind of work the pick of the lock for a moment, you feel yourself almost getting it, and then it slips out at the last moment and you feel your effort to work the tumblers of the padlock fail. If you'd like, you can take a little bit longer to take your time and get it right, but for now that quick work did not succeed. Okay, uh, yeah, Lillison will actually step forward and take the pick out of the mage hand and attempt it herself. Alright, as that happens, Kiva, where are you heading to, if you'd like to start moving yourself along? She's going to go down this way. Alright, as you step forward, you can see ahead of you, the staircase ahead seems to be the origin of the chant, lying beyond the dark stairs before you. But as you make your way forward, almost entranced by this chanting that surrounds you, you're not entirely paying attention when the floor suddenly bows beneath you, then splinters and cracks. Before you can react, you're sent plummeting downward. Below, you can see, your eyes wide now, a nest of sharpened wooden spikes rushing up hungrily to greet you. You fall down into the pit, and as you do, you suffer one point of bludgeoning damage as you fall, and six points of piercing damage as the spikes impale you, slashing across different parts of your body, cutting deep into the flesh. The rest of you, you hear the sudden sound of splintering, a grunt of surprise from Kiva, and a sickening sound that Erythrondir's ears pick up from close to the staircase. Yeah, she's fully screaming at this point. 
Kiva! And he's running. Kiva. What happened? Kiva, what happened? I don't know. Curses. I don't know. Just just follow me, Metrion, okay? And and listen. Can Earthendir see the pit once he's gotten to that place? Very clearly, yes. Shit. All right. All right. Are you... Hey, uh, is there anything in there with you? Or are you uh, all right for the moment? A lot of spikes in my body, but other than that, I'm fine, I suppose. Okay, not the best. All right, give me a second. Anybody have actual rope by chance? Yeah, no, that would be too easy. All right. And he's going to unspool his fishing line carefully, cutting off the hook with a small knife. And then tying a loop in it, he is going to carefully lower it down to her. Here, uh, see if you can tie that around one of the spikes. We won't be able to lift you out, I don't think, but we can probably give you some to help you climb out. Can Kiva sort of pull herself off of the spikes where they're, like, piercing her body to do that? It's extremely painful, and it takes a little bit of slow going to kind of pull yourself out, and there's kind of a sickening sound as the wooden stake kind of slips out of the gash along your shoulder where it's almost half embedded yourself and you wince as you feel the splinters that it's left behind. But you're able to grasp around the uh, line that Erthrandir has dropped down the length of this 10-foot pit and slowly, painstakingly, painfully drag yourself out from the edge until you're lying on the tunnel once more. Kiva is breathing incredibly hard. She's got tears in her eyes, obviously blood pouring everywhere. She's trying very hard to keep it together right now. Shit! All right, here, quick, get get out of there. Let's not. Uh, there might it might floor, more fluorite give way, and he's going to do his best to kind of help her do her feet, or if she's not really feeling that, then to see if he can gently drag her a bit closer to safety. Yeah, I mean, he takes one look at Kiva and like winces, hiding her eyes. She like staggers around the corner. Yeah, Metreon looks like he's gonna barf as soon as he sees the gashes in her, like an arm in her torso. It's just. His cheeks start to get sunken in, and he starts to retch, and he'll look away from Kiva. Please don't barf in the well. I, I might have to. And he's going to rush up and barf in the well. <laughs> <laughs> the the chanting is, is coming from that way. Okay. Thank you. Good to know. Are you a... Can you stand? Kiva will stand slowly and just sort of try to crack her neck and sort of like, I don't know what to do to stop that bleeding, <laughs> but uh, you know, she's just gonna try to like shake it off and regain as much composure as possible. Erthrandir is going to look at her, look back at the others, and then kind of sigh deeply. And then he's going to place a hand on her shoulder and actually first he pulls his hand back. Hey, uh, can I, uh, it alright if I, like, trace something on your shoulder? I, uh, I'm gonna try something. Um, what are you going to do? I'm gonna see if I can heal you. I haven't, uh, I haven't cast this spell in 55 years, but, uh, I, I think it still works. I think I remember the incantation. I just need to put a little... Well, actually, it works just as well. Right, right, I've got the other one here. And he traces a quick elven glyph in the air it glowing a gentle green, and casts Healing Word. And that is going to be... Okay, four points of healing. Kiva looks genuinely surprised and touched because up until this point, she assumed that you really didn't like her. So 
she's uh she's hold that she's... thought because as you watch the rune that Erthendir traces out is a gentle flickering green almost friendly and warm like a woodland forest and it dissolves into a black mist and Kiva you feel a jolt a bolt of pain lance through your body as you hear something in your arm and shoulder crack you almost double over as the flesh begins to burn the rest of you watching as the flesh rapidly knits itself back together, searing red hot as the veins around it blacken and twist and throb, and then slowly receding, cooling off as the bulk of the wound is healed, but you can hear Akiva breathing hard, panting, as the aftershocks of the impact still echo through her body. What the fuck are you doing to man? I... I wasn't. That's a... I... I am 99% sure that that was... A cure spell and not inflict wounds. I don't know. I'm I'm so sorry. God, I Kiva is like backed up up that staircase behind her and like pressed against the wall, looking absolutely fucking terrified. I God, I'm I'm so sorry. I I didn't it doesn't do that. That's not how magic works. I I Oh, I'm so sorry. I, I fucked it up. I, I I probably did the incantation wrong. I don't I I'm so sorry. Just don't ever do it again, please. I, uh... Okay. Does that include if you're about to die? Honestly, if I'm about to die, it's probably a good thing, so yes. Alright. I promise. Kiva, um, now that she's sort of back up against the wall, can she see anything new about this area, or is it just sort of still, like, hallway-ish? The hallway does bend around a corner. You can see there does appear to be a room around the bend, but from what you can see, there appears to be several piles of small objects littering the floor, though in the darkness, you can't quite make out what they are. Kiva's going to try to put on a brave face and um, not look at Erthendir like he's <laughs> um, very frightening, and she'll cautiously take a step into that next room. Gotcha. Stepping forward into the next room, as you do, uh, what are the others doing as they linger back nearby the well? Erthendir, you watch as Kiva rounds the corner and vanishes out of sight. Erthendir is going to step back to rejoin the others. Uh, hi. Y'all all doing alright? Metreon's glaring at you. Snot has now covered his lips and chin. His eyes are just bleary and tears have been streaking down his face. The fuck are you, man? I. What do you mean? What am I? I'm. My name. I'm Erthrandir. I'm a ranger by profession. I. Uh, what? What do you mean? That wasn't no good magic there. I've seen good magic, and that wasn't it. I. It, he looks like he's about to say something sharp, and then seeing his kind of snot and tear-lined face, he looks down. No. It wasn't. I, uh, I don't know what happened. I think I, I fucked up the incantation or something. But I'm, I, I, I'm not a dark wizard or something, if that's what you're asking. I'm not gonna start pulling up the dead or, uh, making people's flesh rot off the bones. <laughs> not really my thing. You know, I had, I had a theory that we was all here because we did stuff that was bad, and... I feel like I see something about you now. I feel like I get it. I... You... You do not know a single goddamn thing about me. 
you know almost less than nothing. And while I understand that you are incapacitated at the moment because you have some little child jackass inside your body, that does not excuse that. Don't presume you know me, Metreon. But at any rate, that doesn't matter. None of this matters. What matters is getting out of here, and after that, if you want to tell me to bugger the fuck off, I will do so cheerfully with a song on my lips and a smile on my face. But for the moment, let's keep each other alive, why don't we? We should probably go check on Kiva then. Yeah. Uh, Lilison, you gonna be alright on your own? Has Lilison managed to open the chest yet? Uh, assuming you didn't interrupt your attempts during Kiva's horrendous screaming, then yes, the lock pops open. Okay. Uh, taking a step back, sort of shooting a curious glance outside, but before sort of rejoining that drama, Lilison is going to pop open the lid of the chest with her mage hand. All right. It appears to have a number of some worthless personal effects inside. The top layer of it appears to be just a number of moth-eaten clothes, but there are a few bulges in the clothes that indicate that something might lie below if you would like to take a closer look. Yes, very carefully peeling back the clothes. Sure, kind of carefully peeling back the clothes. You see underneath one of them kind of a faded moth-eaten tunic. You can see very strangely in kind of the grays of your dark vision, a well-crafted hairbrush with very fine bristles. And in the reflections, just faintly illuminated by the light outside, you see something glint off of the surface of the hairbrush. Okay. Gonna carefully pick up the hairbrush with the mage hand and turn it a bit, see what is up with that. Alright, it appears to be just a, an ivory hairbrush with silver bristles. Okay. Um, it seems to be perhaps very well crafted and quite a fine make. Okay, Lilison is going to set it back down again and leave the lid of the chest open. And um, coming around the corner, she's going to try to catch Metreon's eye. And she'll say, I think I found something that you might find interesting. In the way out? Because that's all I'm fucking interested in right now. No, it's not. Would you like your picks back? Please. Okay. She's going to send the mage hand with the picks back to Metreon, and then she is actually going to cast message to Erythrindir and just say, A moment, please. He starts and nearly jumps as the message kind of enters him, and then he kind of realizes again and steps back to join her. What is it? Um, she's going to wait a few moments to see if Amity and Metreon go elsewhere. Metreon's going where no, Amity is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we're safe here. Okay. Then she's going to lower her voice and just sort of whisper to Erythrindir, I am sorry. I know that you thought that it might be your friend responding to you. I, no, no, it's not your fault. I, uh, it, it's, I, I, I don't think she's going to get back to me for one reason or another, but I, I do appreciate that's very kind. What happened just now? I didn't see. I 
Kiva fell in a pit of spikes, and I, uh, I've been on on our walk down. I've been kind of sorting through my old spells, trying to see if anything would be useful. And I thought I'd come across like a some healing magic, and so I tried to peel the puncture wounds, and well, it did, but it's like my magic turned rancid, and it's normally supposed to be, you know, calming. It's supposed to be a little sedating, so you don't go into shock and. This time, it just looked like she was screaming in pain. Did it actually do what you meant it to, though? From from the second I got before she went off and flattened herself against the wall, I think so. Her, a lot of the blood was gone. <sighs> the magic is, is different in this place. I... This, this is not how my magic works either, and so far, everything still functions the way I need it to. It just looks terrifying, and I have been praying that that doesn't change. That's bizarre. Why would it... Well, why would any of this have happened, frankly? It's not too much use to ask, but... Yeah, no, I guess... Okay, that's good to know. I... I... I thought it was just me. I I really did. I uh, haven't been casting too many spells, so I didn't really know. I just thought that you really liked uh, red acid. Oh, goodness, no. What? You not a fan of primary colors? I'm not a fan of acid, to be I, honest. I mean, most people aren't, but you sure were using it with aplomb. Well, you do what you can with what you have. But, I suppose that's true. Look, even... Even if your spells go wrong, even if, you know, it harms somebody when you don't mean it, it not saying that that is what happened here, but that does not make you a bad person. It just means that you need to be careful. All right. He nods. Well, uh, I, I could get into philosophy with you here, but I think you've got a good point. And I, uh, really appreciate the sentiment. That's, a uh, really kind. I would love nothing more than the chance to just talk philosophy for a while here, but... We should, <sighs> but we should go make sure our friends don't die. Yes. After we get out. After we get out. I have a... I I get the sense you... Well, you kind, you've kind of figured out how to get me talking. I get the sense that once I figure out what makes you tick, that you're going to be very interesting to listen to. <laughs> That's certainly a thought. <laughs> Fair enough. All right. And he steps back to the others. As you do, Kiva... As you step forward around the bend, you watch as the others fall out of your line of sight, the darkness falling in behind you once again, almost like a veil coming down, dividing you from the rest of the group. You feel another spark of pain on your shoulder and winds glancing down, and as you watch, you can see that the wound seems to have largely closed. It's a bit ugly now, a bit of a puckered thing that might form into a scar at some point, or it might heal over, we're not sure. Looking over the rest of some of the wounds you seem to have obtained, 
many of them seem to have healed over partially or even fully in some thankful cases. And you feel as the heat that it's suffused them slowly begins to cool, the pain that it lands through them dulling to a low, steady ache that soon vanishes as well. And for a moment you're left alone in the darkness with nothing more than the cool, stagnant air pressing against your skin and the only the sound of your breath in your ears as you glance into the next room. So for a moment, not that anyone can see this, but Kiva's actually crying and she seems, actually she feels very disappointed that the wounds have actually healed. And then she's going to wipe away the tears and stand up and take a step forward into the next room with a lot more caution than she ever has, I think, in her life. <laughs> and just sort of look around and see what there might be to look at. All right, as you put your foot down where you're stepping, you feel something hard beneath your boot, and for a moment you pause, not wanting to risk disturbing something or making too much noise. And as you lift your foot away, you see below it what appears to be a long white bone. And as you glance up, you can see that the room before you seems to contain a plain wooden table flanked by long benches, and all around it, you can see moldy, white, gray, yellow, humanoid bones lying strewn on the dirt floor. As soon as you step inside, taking note of your surroundings, you can smell a thick stench of rot and gore that fills the chamber, so coppery with blood that you can taste it on your tongue. The stench itself seems to be stronger toward the right-hand side, emanating from a corridor to your right. Glancing across the room, you can see a tunnel that seems to connect back to the, a familiar-looking corridor. And in a dark alcove across the way, on the other side of the table, you can see a few dozen moldy bones that have been piled into a grotesque and misshapen pyramid, perhaps a foot and a half in height. Well, that's going to deeply disturb her. Okay, so she's just going to sort of poke around the bones and see if there might be something of use, whether or not like a weapon or something like that. And then uh, she's going to take a peek down this hallway here to the north. All right, the bones themselves, you take a minute or so to kind of inspect them briefly, the quiet, stagnant air settling around you as you kind of shift them over and pick them up. A few of the bones rattling against each other as you sift through the small piles scattered across the floor. Many of them, not all, but a large majority, don't seem to be weapons as such, but seem to be covered in teeth marks gnawing at the ends and centers. Some of them you can see actually have been split open, the marrow within having been sucked out. Oh my god. Okay. Um, she's, like, clenching her fist sort of rhythmically, doing her little breathing exercises, and then she's going to slowly go down that hallway. Alright. As you make your way down the hallway to your left, it seems familiar. You see it branching at one point into what appear to be two smaller chambers on your left and right. And as you look forward, you notice what seems to be a familiar intersection and a section of the tunnel that curves around a bend. You feel like you recognize the architecture of this place. If she were to call, like, yell something out, would the others hear it, or, or would she not think that they would? From this distance, if it were reasonably loud, at this point you're perhaps two and a half rooms away, so, you know, a reasonably raised voice verging on, you know, a soft shout could probably attract someone's attention. All right, so she's going to just shout pretty reasonably loud and say, I found where the tunnel loops, so if you're all good with this area, maybe we can move on. 
All right, the rest of you hear Kiva's voice echoing as Erthrandir steps away from Lillicent, rejoining the group. Yes, give us one moment. We'll be right there. All right. Y'all ready to go? Let's yeah. go. Good stuff. And he's going to follow the same route that she took. Metreon is actually when Amity starts to walk away, he's going to put his hand on her shoulder. Boy. Remember I said don't take shit for them? Uh, yeah. Just be careful, especially around that one. I don't trust him none. I I think we're going to have to work together to get through this. We can work together, um, just I, be, be careful. Knife ears are tricky. Exactly. Yeah. All right. I and he'll follow Amity. Did Lillison hear this? Metron was whispering, so I mean, I don't, I don't know, but... You probably heard me say um, that we're going to have to work together to get through this. Like, you probably heard the things I said. Okay. All right. As you follow behind, Erthrandir is the first to emerge into the grisly scene with the wooden table, the bones strewn across the floor, the thick, choking stench, and you can see the bones arranged in the pyramid in the alcove on the opposite side. Glancing to the left, you can see Kiva standing still, staring straight ahead in the darkened hallway to the left-hand side. In a very small voice, he says, I suppose it's too late to go back and puke in the well. Yeah, yeah, probably. What on earth were they doing down here? Eating each other. I, they, what? Look at the bones, there's teeth marks all over them. That could be an animal, some sort of scavenger who would make, they'd have a feast down here. Even as you say that, Truffle snorts and Amity sets him down so that he can go chew on one of the bones. I... that... show some respect! Those are... I... 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 Alright, we don't have time for this, but that's messed up. That's real messed up. Keep Met just ignoring this and she's just gonna go down the hallway. Truffle happily picks up what appears to be a small-sized femur and just happily chews on it, a little bit of drool dribbling from one corner of his snout as he watches Kiva moving ahead and snorts toward Amity as he plops a few happy feet toward her. Metreon, upon entering this chamber and seeing all the bones littered everywhere, instinctively wants to go back, but then seeing Lillison right behind him, darts back around to Amity, and it's just kind of like feels very claustrophobic and starts to grip his chest and his throat starts to retch again and uh, his eyes are getting teary. Uh, Kiva, where, where are we going? Just just tell us, please. We're going back out to the hallway and we're going to continue a loop down. Fuck. It's awfully brave of you to go wandering off on your own, Kiva. I mean, exploring for the rest of us. Is that meant to be a compliment? I'm... I'm, I'm worried about you. I'm... I'm at the same time, it's admirable. Look, I don't know you. I don't know any of you. You tried to leave us earlier. At this point, I'm just trying to find a way out so that I never have to see any of you again. She's going to continue down the hallway. I see. At this point, that's uh, not unreasonable. All right. Gethendir is going to take a peek down this bottom hallway. All right, as soon as you peek down it, you almost have to reel back. Your lungs and nostrils choked with the overwhelming scent of rot and decay and gore. As you look down the hall, you can actually see that the stone walls bear cracked red stains and a trail of old bones emanating from the dining table appears to lead deeper down the tunnel. 
peering around the corner, you can see that the trail vanishes around a bend and appears to end at the center of a quiet intersection, just barely out of sight. Uh, everyone, remember what I said about scavengers? I think I was incorrect. Scavengers don't eat people while they're alive. There's a blood everywhere down this one. Like a trail. Like someone's dragged. Yeah, that's a that's my best guess. No need to jump to any hasty conclusions. Might have been somebody who was wounded. I uh I suppose. But if there was, there's no body. Well, which way shall we go? If you ask this, Kiva, how far down are you continuing? She's right where she is on the map, sort of in that center intersection that she's seeing. All right, just waiting there for the others. Yeah, she's going to poke to this hallway on the left and see what these doors are. Gotcha. In that case, as you peer down to see what lies there, you can see that the side corridor that you step into appears to branch again to the left and right. You can see large standing stone slabs sealing the entrance to the tunnels on either side, blocking the way forward. You can see that the slab to the left is etched with the name Rosavalda Durst. The slab to the right is etched with the name Thornbolt Durst, each one excluding the silence of a forgotten grave. Does she recognize perhaps what these are? Looking over them? Like I mean, she... they seem reminiscent of crypts. Okay, so it's not like a bedroom or something down here. No. She's, she gets the sense that this is not a, a happy place to be. <laughs> Correct. Okay. Seeing that, she's going to bow her head and mumble something in Sylvan, and then she's going to leave this area and continue, maybe poke her head to the right as well, because she sees there's another little offshoot there. Glancing into this offshoot, you can see another similar branching section with similar large standing stone slabs sealing the entrances to the tunnels ahead. Are you stepping inside to see the actual interior like you did for the other ones? So she's going to take some of probably the still wet blood that's on her armor and mark the wall here too, just to make sure that she's keeping her bearings. And then she will take a sort of cautious step in that direction. Gotcha. Moving forward into this branching corridor and looking at the darkness that lies beyond, again, it's hard to make out the fine details. It takes a moment for even your elven vision to adjust to the grays and shaded tinted blacks of the darkness here. You can see a similar arrangement, two stone slabs blocking the way forward. The one to the left is etched with the name Gustav Durst. The one to the right is etched with the name Elizabeth Durst. The tunnel here is unnaturally quiet and as you glance downward, you can see a thin mist clinging to the floor. Upon reading those names and taking a second to process this, she's actually going to spit on the floor and then head back out into the hallway and say, they're tombs, there's nothing there. Oh, okay, good to know. Uh, Wait, tombs? For the children and the parents. Um, take a look on the floor. Are there footsteps? Kiva will go back first to the children's side and see if there's footsteps there. Make a uh, perception check for me with disadvantage, given that you are in the darkness. That is a 10. 
10, glancing around on the children's side, there do not appear to be any footprints that you can see. All right, and uh, can she do the same on the parent side? Yes, you may. That is a nine. Nine. It takes you a good 10, 15 seconds inspecting the floor closely, but eventually you do notice what appeared to be a somewhat fresher set of footprints mixing and crossing over the ancient markings left by much older prints in the dirt here. These fresher prints appear to continue outward from the right-hand crypt, making their way around the bend and joining the dozens and dozens, if not hundreds, of ancient footprints crisscrossing the corridor you've just stepped out of. The fresh pair continues downward, and then vanishes into the dust beneath the piles of bones. Yes, there are um, fresh prints on Gustav's side. Um, come back for a moment, please. Kiva hesitates for a moment and then comes back to the group. She's keeping her distance from everyone. Earlier, um, a few minutes ago, I heard a noise like stone moving, and I was afraid that it was the stairway that we came down from. And I also saw footprints. I don't think we're alone down here. Oh, fuck me, man. Aerithrandir goes white as a sheet. Metron starts to weep again. I understand that all of this strain and stress and all of our own prejudices and secrets have made this an incredibly tense time, but we have more important enemies than each other. And much as I understand not wanting to see any of each other after this. We still need to do this together. That's why I'm still leading, Luv. She's gonna go back down the hallway. Hey, wait. I, uh, think I have a hunch. Amity, can you pass me the lantern? Amity gives him the lantern. He is going to look down the hallway that he just looked down for any set of prints. Give me a perception uh, check, please. 19. 19. Uh, you're doing this from the your current position? Yes. Gotcha. So glancing down the hallway, you can actually very faintly see a set of prints making their way down across the dust, mixing with the trail of bones and such that wind their way down the corridor. But as you inspect the footprints themselves, they don't appear right. They're oddly shaped in places, and you can see points where, around where the toes would be, long holes have been poked into the ground, almost as if by talons or claws that dug into the soil there. And as you watch, you can actually see places along the ground, underneath where the footprints lie, where it looks like there are scratchings, as though something had been dragged along the way, the red smears across the walls, and the bones just littering the space until they come to a final stop in the center of the intersection where the trail ends. Can he see if he knows what sort of thing would leave footprints like that? Make an arcana check for me. Six. You have not the slightest idea. Well, uh, I got good news and I got bad news. The good news is I don't see uh, the dursts. The bad news is something came through here with toenails the size of large knives. So, uh, I think we're 
doubly not alone down here. Any of you know anything with the footprint that could, you know, punch holes in soil? Metreon kind of glances over uh, Amity. Um, <laughs> yeah, Amity sort of huddles closer to Metreon, but shrugs. All right, well, that's uh, understandable. Would we like to find out? No. Not particularly. But, uh, I think we need to. We're running out of paths. Why do you think it's here? Do you think it's here because it was some abomination, like, summoned by the previous occupants, or that it just wandered in and killed them all? I don't know. Either of those are good hypotheses. There's all sorts of creatures that take up this sort of ecosystem, you know, dead and decaying stuff. But it could be they were miserable piles of garbage and tried to summon something to get some power. And in that case, I think they got what they fucking deserved. But uh, more to the point, no way of knowing. We came here, well, we didn't exactly come here for this, but we have decided to stop a monster. Does it really matter where the monster came from? It helps us know how to fight it. It does matter where it came from, because if it turns out that it's possible to turn off the fog out there without killing it, then, well, I, I just want to get out of here in the easiest way, like you. We'll know more about it when we see more evidence of it, I suppose. Yeah. Uh, speaking of which, I think we need to... Kiva, you feeling brave? Where do I need to go? Down here. Do not go fast. I think there's definitely something that went this way. And yell if anything comes your direction, or if you hear something. Why, why are we having? Why are we having Kiva keeping playing the hero here? Have you seen her arms? If you want to be my guest, I'm a. No, I would really much prefer I go, Amity. Uh, no offense, love, but. Look, if someone's going to die down here, I'd prefer it to be me over one of you. Why? That's really none of your business. And she's going to um, begin to cautiously go down the hallway. Alright, you slowly make your way each step forward, causing a few small bones to crackle and to crunch beneath your weight. Most of them seem to be large, but you see a few smaller sets of bones mixed in with the pack. Whether they belonged to a smaller creature or... Well, you don't want to think about the alternative. As you make your way down toward the intersection where the trail stops, you pause for a moment, glancing downward to your right, you can see a set of stairs leading down to a dark T-junction. And as you pause here for a moment, you can hear that the incessant chanting that you've heard since first entering the dungeon is noticeably louder down that set of stairs. And then you pause for a moment, and then a whiff of this terrible stench of death comes up all around you. You feel yourself choking for a moment, tears coming to your eyes as the terrible aroma collapses around you. For a moment, you look around, confused as to what could be causing it, and then you hear the sound of scratching dirt. You glance down, eyes wide, and you feel something yank around your ankle. A gray, diseased hand pulling up from the dirt. On the opposite side, you see another one clawing its way up a grayish-green hand that gives way to an arm that gives way to a set of shoulders and a leering, terrible, white-eyed face. 
Around you, you see others, a second, a third, boring its way from the dirt at the end of the corridor. Around the bend to your left, you can hear another thing suddenly emerging, the sound of scrabbling claws and sifting dirt echoing through the tunnel. Each of them bears their teeth and fangs, yellowish saliva dripping from their aged, ancient maws. And with a hissing snarl, they leap for you. And that's where we will take our break. Come on. Come on. Seriously? I'm gonna die! It's party time. Alright, guys, we got 15 minutes to strategize. Oh, yeah, map it out. Map it out. <laughs> Bye, chat. Have fun. Okay, so there's a 12% chance in the round four. Yeah, but that's only if we win initiative. If we don't win initiative, then it goes down to a 6.5. Oh, dang it. Which right. point? <laughs> Do you, do you think we should try Plan Zeta T? Uh, let me scroll I'm up. I'm kind of vaguely curious to know how many plans you all have. Zero. And none whatsoever. <laughs> none. I, my well, my plan 15... would ruin chat. Okay, on, on that note, you're not allowed to say it. Um, though I'm very curious to hear it in private message. Uh, so, with that, thank you for hanging with us for the first half of today's session. We will pick this back up after a 15-minute break, during which I am sure the players will have the time of their lives thinking how they're going to survive. We'll see you back here soon.